and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast sponsored by HF Plus and with myself, Steve Nussbaum. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Dan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o. It's Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 265. Thanks, as always, to everyone who took the time to tune into last week's show. I think everyone will hopefully agree it was a rather informative show. We had Niall from Niall Cooper from Fair Game. Uh, and if you haven't listened to that, hit right at the very beginning. So if you don't want to hear us waffling on for an hour and 20 minutes, you can just listen to the first 20 minutes. And uh, Niall from Fair Game, uh, they're spearheading serious changes uh, that are needed for the greater good and the long-term sustainability uh, of football. He was on BBC News, Sky Sports yep. News. He's literally been everywhere, but we had him on the Orient Outlet podcast first. So thanks again, Niall, uh, for taking the time, giving up some of your Sunday evening to chat to us. But this week, we've got two other special guests, which I'm going to introduce to you in just a moment uh, from Loft. Uh, we've got two matches to review that you probably won't want to hear. Um, loads and loads of fan views. It's been such an engaging week uh, for fan views. Lots of variations and varieties. But I think let's just crack on. Yeah, and as we always do, let's start with a shout out for our sponsors who are AJF Plastering. They're an Essex-based plastering and rendering company. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And the best part is that they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff, including Loft members, especially I'm Loft, sure yeah. you'll be glad to hear. So for more information <laughs> and for the best plastering and rendering prices around, you can visit the website at www.ajfplastering.co.uk or you can email Adam at the team at ajfplastering.outlook.com or if you're on social media, go and give AJF Plastering a follow. They're on Facebook and on Instagram under AJF Plastering and Adam himself is on Twitter at Big Ads with a Z L O. Yeah, so that then brings us on to our two guests uh, this week, uh, as uh, we'll do uh, before we move on to usual podcast business. Most fans will know, as we mentioned just a moment ago, the long-awaited fan-led review for the long-term future and sustainability of English football report that was produced by a lady called Tracy Crouch was published uh, earlier, late last week, I beg your pardon. We are delighted now to be joined on the phone by two members of Loft's committee, Jonathan Kay and Tom Davis. Chaps, thanks very much indeed uh, for joining us on this uh, on this week's podcast. Uh, firstly, Jonathan, coming to you, uh, perhaps just give us your thoughts on Trace's report. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, I mean, we're absolutely delighted that this report's been published and has been accepted in principle in Parliament. Um, as you know, and as as your your listeners heard last week, indeed, so did I. Listening to uh, to Niall from Fair Game, uh, the the review was uh, prompted. Well, I mean, it was promised by the uh, government in their 2019 manifesto, but it was finally kicked off by all the European Super League nonsense earlier this year. And it's something that we've been hoping would happen for a long time. We've we've been calling for an independent regulator for football ever since the, the crisis period or in a few years ago, because it was obvious to us during that time and, and to a lot of those fans, I'm sure, as well, quite how useless the EFL was at regulating its clubs. And you've touched on this before, that they're, they're a members uh, club for their members, which are football um, chairmen, football clubs. So regulating themselves always comes up with the whole turkeys voting for Christmas type of affair. So it's been obvious to a lot of people for a long time that football needs to be reformed. It needs to be run better to 
have uh, adequate governance of club owners and directors and the distribution of finance, you know, all of the things that were that were missing uh, when Orient fell into crisis. Because one of the things you'd hope as fans is that if a club hits the buffers because of its owner, that someone above them can step in and try and sort it out. And, you know, we went to a meeting with the EFL. It's one of the most depressing meetings I've ever had when um, Sean Harvey, the uh, chief executive of the EFL, basically sort of threw his hands out and said, we're just a competition organiser. And it's just like, well, who, you're meant to be running the league. So, yeah, this, this report is long overdue. There's, there's lots in it. It's 162 pages. I've, I've had a, uh, as much of it as I could read without my eyes crossing because it's quite long but um, I've taken in the, the bulk of it and um, there's a lot in there that will mean real change uh, in the sustainability of football and the governance of, of clubs. Great stuff. Tom, welcome back on the Orient Outlook podcast. Was the report as you expected Pleasure. and were there any surprises at all? Um, well, so I'm actually pleasantly surprised mostly because I mean for, for a government document that these kind of things can be quite densely written and quite hard to sort of digest but it was quite it's it's obviously got some good fairly radical proposals and it's quite and it's quite readable um and i think um it reflects this great deal of credit on supporters organizations and, and all the others that kind of put submissions in and, and lobbied and what have you um and i think the next job for for us i think for all of us really is to make sure as much of this gets implemented as possible i mean ideally all of it um because obviously it's going to be there'll be some political twos and fro's and already you've seen some people from the Premier League kind of kicking back a little bit against it, which I think is healthy because you want to be slightly antagonising those sort of people because they're the people that have led the game to this um, this state of ruin in the first place. So you want to have you know that that kind of opposition. But I think there is scope certainly within it seems to be within within Parliament and stuff sort of cross party unity on this. And I think any and anyone re, uh, listening. I'd say you know, contact your MP, get them to um, support it, and, and give them a bit, give a bit, bit of lobbying because it's. I think across across the kind of political spectrum, I think you'd get support for it, um, and I think that's a, a job for us all really now to get get this stuff actually um, legislated for. With regards to, I mean, it, it, it's it's been a long time coming. Um, you know, Tracy's obviously not been rushed by it, but obviously, as Jonathan, as you said earlier, it's been probably sped up by the uh, European Super League, fa- uh, Super League failure. What what was Loft's uh, involvement in, in this? Because I know it was contributed to uh, by lots of um, uh, supporters' trusts and fan trusts as well. Yeah, so supporters' trusts generally are part of the wider Football Supporters Association um, family, if you like, of, of fan groups. So that's... Uh, a lot of trust, I think pretty much every trust is affiliated to them. A lot of other supporters groups, like for example, the supporters club is affiliated. Uh, so the FSA put together a written submission to the review, which we contributed um, a part of it to about the situation that occurred at Orient a few years ago and you know our perspectives on why a regulator was needed and the changes that were needed. Uh, the FSA also had an evidence session over Zoom with the uh, review panel uh, earlier this year, and representing Loft, I was uh, part of the sort of the League One and League Two network that um, was put together of about half a dozen trusts. Uh, so again, I, I I did a piece to them uh, presentation on when club. 
uh, ownership goes bad, using what happened with the previous owners as a, a very salient example. And it was, you know, as I said to them in the in the uh, presentation, that it's, it was a concentrated example of how badly a club can go from stability to chaos in just a few short years. And I won't obviously go into it now because we all know what happened. But, you know, presenting that sort of... Um, evidence was was um, exactly what the, the review needed because they needed to hear all of these um, reports from supporters uh, directly about what it's like to be at a club where things go well and go badly and why things go well and how things can go better so you know it was what, what we contributed was part of a whole web of evidence and um, tales if you like of, of how things have, have occurred at football clubs in the past and, you know, ranging from crises like ours in the past to Bury and Oldham and, and Charlton, you know, various other clubs that have either had or are still going through ownership matters and issues. So why is this report so important in it and, to, and to O's fans in particular? Why should Orient fans, you know, be, be aware of what is actually going on within this report? Uh, oh, I'll let Tom go on that one, sorry. Um, well, I think if you, if you just look at our recent history, I mean, Jonathan's alluded to it, but if you think about the chaos we were in you know, four, four or five years ago um, and the way in which the previous owner, whose name we don't mention, um, was able to kind of just do what he wanted for the three chaotic years, um, this really beefs up the sort of regulation they'd have, tests that owners would have to go through. Then. It wouldn't just be a case of, as it has been, um, when, they, when an owner takes over, are you a Roman, are you a, you've got a criminal record? No then you, you wave through and that's it. They get the, under the new sort of suggestions here, they're talking about things being checked every three years, um, the declarations of um, all, all personal professional business links, including those of family members and, and, and other, other business associates. So you kind of, if you think about the previous owner and the sort of things that he was allegedly connected to and people he was allegedly connected to, that would have actually got some scrutiny in a way that... Um, yeah, it, it didn't at the time. Um, so, in terms of our recent history, I think if you think of other people like um, Steve Dial at Berry or whatever, they'd have all had a much more, much more scrutiny right at the start and ongoing um, all the way through it. So, it would have made, you know, what we went through less like, well, it wouldn't, wouldn't happen. Now, there's also, if I can add to that, there's a couple of other things, particularly, I think, salient to clubs at this level. Uh, there's the distribution of income, which was covered, you know, really well by Niall last uh, last week in the podcast. Um, it could be a game changer for the pyramid if the the transfer fee levy and the scrapping of parachute payments and distributing that more fairly throughout the uh, throughout the pyramid happens. Um, you know, that could be the difference between clubs making a loss every year and, and not making a loss uh, without requiring owners to continually keep funding clubs just for them to, to stay afloat. Um, another thing, well, you know, looking, I was looking through the proposals, one of them, I don't know if it will happen because these, these are all recommendations at the moment, so, you know, whether they all happen or not is, is, is in the gift of government and what they, what powers they give the regulator, but um, one, of, one of the things I noticed was there's proposals around planning law protecting clubs from being forced to relocate without any of the developer of that land um, providing equivalent or better facilities in the same local area. And I know there's, I hear occasionally sort of people with concerns about how the fact that Brisbane Road isn't owned by the club, it's owned by the last owner, but one's pension scheme. So, 
you know, although although we're all assured that everything's safe and everything's protected, the reality is we have a lease that has a fixed period and it can it can renew at the end of that for two lots more of twenty years. But you know, it's not it's not permanent. It's certainly not the situation the club was in not that many years ago when it had a, a peppercorn rent of one pound. So um, there's the measures there that would would change football significantly for the better and there's things that would provide a lot more protection for clubs uh, as opposed to the, the owners. There's lots of recommendations. I've just been sort of uh, pre prior to coming on with you guys uh, scanning through. There's you know, dozens and dozens of, of, of recommendations that, that, that uh, Tracy's report has made. One of them um, is about a shadow board and a golden share. Um, what are they? And in practice, how would that work at a club like Orient, for example? Um, Jonathan, perhaps, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, sure. So, first thing I would say, all of these fall under the sort of proposals around support or engagement. We as Orient fans are hugely um, towards, I would say, the, uh, the top end of engagement, possibly right near the top, um, in terms of engagement from the club owners and board. And, you know, they, they come on podcasts, they do all sorts of things with fans. We saw it during the, the period when none of us could go to games with Q&As and all of that. So there's a huge amount of engagement from, from the club. And, you know, they're, you know, in many ways a model for how clubs should operate. Um, the shadow board, I'll take that first. The proposals for that reads to me like a sort of an evolution of what we already have at the club with this representative fans group that was set up a couple of years ago with you know ourselves and the supporters club and, and, and others um, to have a sort of a, a relatively small structured means of communication on long-term strategic matters. Uh, things like finances at the club, long-term plans and things like that. Uh, and I think parallel to that, it's a, I think it's a good thing that the, the club has uh, instigated open fans forums now, as well as the um, uh, the representative group meetings, because uh, it means that those forums, that, you know, anyone can, can apply to go to and can go to them. I don't think there's a, uh, you know, it's not fixed on numbers other than what they can house in the Legends Lounge. Uh, and there's one already arranged for the 9th of December, I believe. So, you know, those ones can, can be the open forums where people can ask questions about anything from playing, uh, what's happening on the pitch, the usual favourites like hand dryers and bubble lids and <laughs> other weighty matters as well that, that uh, are important to discuss, you know, in open forums. Um, so the shadow board, I don't think it would be, uh, it, it's more an evolution than a revolution for Orient. Um, uh, the golden share... That is basically what's proposed there is a mechanism for consulting fans on matters like club relocation, change of badge and home, club colours, club name, etc. Um, so the recommendation is that at each club, there's, a, there's this golden share that's held by a society uh, registered under a particular law, the Cooperative and Community Benefits Societies Act, and I know of that because Loft, like all supporters' trust, is uh, one such society. So, you know, if the proposals go through as they are recommended at the moment, then by definition, that golden share would be held by Loft as that particular society or organ. Um, how it would work is going to be down to the regulator, but one proposal in the report is that if there's something that 
the the holder of the golden share would need to hold a vote on. So let, let's just say, for a matter of argument, the club said we want to change the badge. Um, if Loftus, the holder of the golden share, wanted to or felt it should hold a vote on that, there's proposals there that it should go out to the wider fan base. So they've, they've given us a proposal, as it was an example, that it could include season ticket holders and anyone who's attended at least one match in the previous season, it said. So basically, as, as that sort of society under that particular act, Loft would hold that share, but we wouldn't have sole discretion whether to exercise it or not. Um, and the proposal also includes an arbitration mechanism with clubs. To be honest... I don't think it's something that's likely, if it's implemented as it says in the report, with the owners that we have at the club, I don't think it's something that would ever need to be actually invoked or used because we have owners that are open with supporters, they have regular communications, uh, regular consultations. So it's something that's there as a sort of a backstop to protect what they refer to as heritage Items. And I think in, in, in some respects, this whole, that, that, this whole chapter around the shadow boards and uh, the golden share is, is quite a blank canvas in terms of what, it, what you can possibly do with um, supporter engagement. And it's, it's, an, it's an opportunity, really, I think, for all fans to kind of um, increase and improve their engagement with their own clubs. And it just creates potential, I think. It's, it's, there's quite a lot to be hammered out in terms of detail and there will be I'm sure at different clubs, different bits of nitpicking over how these things work and who's on what and all that kind of stuff, including including at Orient, but the, the very fact that it's outlined some potential ways in which we can improve supporter involvement, supporter democracy, if you like, um, at the club is, is, again, encouraging. So, Tom, what could the independent regulator mean to clubs at our level and specifically to Leighton Orient? Well, it's, it's. I mean, I think it could be it's almost like having a kind of ombudsman, ombudsman type figure on you know in your corner, um, and obviously, I mean, there's, there's still a lot to be bashed out in terms of who would be, how that regulator would be set up, how many people would be on it, what's what its board would be like, and will it have a board and that kind of thing. I think it would work better if you have if it's a body rather than one individual. Um, and obviously, it's going to be it will at least at least initially be a government appointment, so it's subject to. To all those kind of political considerations, but um, it's basically yes, it's kind of um, a protection, really, a sort of potential friend in our corner, um, and not just for us, but I think for, for, for um, clubs like us in general, because obviously the Super League um, fiasco was was an attack on small football, you know, in general, and it's important to have um, a bit of backstop, to get a bit of ballast against that. I mean, obviously, as soon as the report came out, uh, plenty of sort of Premier League voices voicing their opinions. And, and obviously, as uh, I think, Tom, you alluded to earlier, there's, there's been pushback already. And it's obviously, uh, you know, the reports having the desired effect. I, I think Christian Perslow, CEO of Aston Villa, went on Talk Sport proclaiming that we don't need a, a regulator. We're fine. You know, all that's good is in the Premier League anyway. I think that kind of uh, you know, you could pick the bones out of all of that, but the same question that we asked to Niall, uh, we're going to put to 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 you guys as well. Is this like pushing a, a massive hundred-ton boulder up Mount Everest? Are we kind of asking, 
Is this asking too much? Is the Premier League literally, and I read something that Gary Neville reposted about um, the Premier League having somebody, uh, a director of policy in place to try and dampen down everything that the regulator is, uh, about this regulator, about Tracy Crouch's report. And basically they're kind of forming their own battle plan now to try and push back on Everything and anything that 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 might that, that's good that's come out of this particular report, Jonathan, that they might be able to implement, or or or, or Tom, whoever wants to, to whichever of you guys wish you know want to pick up on that. Well, I think I think the very fact that they're doing the Premier League are doing all this stuff shows um, how important it is to have, to have thrown the kitchen sink at it, really, because it's in some respect you could see this as a start of a negotiation, and at the start of a negotiation, you go in with as many demands as possible. Mm. Uh, so I think the report had to go in and say this, this, this and this is wrong this, this, this and needs to be done they shouldn't have held back at all because you know, all these different crises have proven you know, they've had their chance Premier League or whatever and, and, and the authorities to, to prove they don't need regulation they just failed um, I mean they, they haven't, they haven't um, so we, yeah so I think you had to go in you have to go in with a, with a big yeah you have to do start you have to start pushing the boulder up the hill at the start but um it's kind of just let it let it roll down the hill and crush you. So I think it's the, it's the right the right way to go. I think I'd add to that as well that the a lot of the work pushing up pushing that boulder up the hill has been over the past few years with supporters groups with people like Gary Neville and others in the uh, in the sort of the headlines who've been saying football needs to change. It's it's been a momentum building that's been sort of you know pushing that boulder. And I think this report being published and the government not only accepting it, but basically they've, they've accepted the, the primary recommendation straight away, which is that you know, they've endorsed in principle that football requires a strong independent regulator to secure the future of our national game. I'm reading that from the, the, the article on, on gov.uk. So that, that part of the... <laughs> there's many boulders. That, that boulder's at the top of the hill. Yeah, I think it's it's ninety nine point nine nine recurring percent likely that there will be an independent regulator. What powers it has, how strong it is, and how much of the recommendations actually get brought into that regulator's power, that's that's the fight for all fans, supporters groups, everyone to, to, to really push for this over the next few months while the, while the government considers in, in detail and while People like uh, you know, stakeholders like the Premier League. Will, I, th- I think the main thing they will be pushing against, I suspect, is the financial regulation stuff. The, fu- the fact about the the transfer levy and mm. basically giving more money down to the rest of the pyramid from the the frankly obscene amounts that they spend on buying players uh, every transfer window. I mean, you know, the insane amounts that they were spending in the middle of the lockdowns last year, last season whilst at the same time pleading poverty and, you know, in the case of Arsenal, sacking Gunnosaurus. You know, the, the, it's extraordinary what they were doing whilst, whilst saying, oh, we're penniless, we've got nothing because of the, of the pandemic. And then, oh, yeah, we're spending, you know, 100 million on X player. It, it's it's obscene, frankly. And that's, that's what I suspect they're mostly worried about, along with, as Tom said, someone actually regulating them properly for the first time because they, they feel they're above all regulation. So the, the, part of that boulder at least is, is, is at the top of the hill, but there's still, there's still stuff to push up there, shall we say? 
So what happens now, chaps? Obviously, the report's come out and it's gained a lot of publicity. Obviously, you guys are on the podcast talking about it. We had Nile Cooper last week. But what actually happens now? What are the next steps? So what happens now is that government, as I just said, it, it, it will take that report. It will um, look at the recommendations. It will no doubt consult with others on what it should do. I noticed the report had a lot about using the Financial Conduct Authority's way of regulating uh, finance as a way of, as, as a model to use for how to regulate the finances of football clubs. So there'll be all sorts of, you know, industry consultations and what have you uh, around what the actual uh, regulator's powers and its, and its um what, what recommendations from the report it should adopt. Uh, they've said that they will work at pace to determine the most effective, I'm quoting again, determine the most effective way to deliver an independent regulator and any powers that might be needed. And they've said that they're looking to come back to Parliament in the spring. So hopefully in, in a few months' time, um, we'll have more detail as to what the regulator will look like, what powers it will have, and how much of this report has actually been adopted, uh, which is why now, as, as Tom said earlier, this is this is the point for for all fans and you know fans at all levels to be you know pushing their MPs. I, I, th- I think there's there's an open door cross party for for MPs to support this, but you know they, they need that push from their constituents to to make sure that they're holding the government to account on this and not backsliding on on some of the recommendations. So you know. This is where the pressure from fans groups, from individual fans, from people writing to MPs, etc. All of that is what's needed now to keep keep that pressure on and to, to make sure that this doesn't get watered down to, to virtually nothing. Absolutely. So, so that's what people, as a takeaway from this, could do is write to their local MP and ask them to, to petition in favour of this report and the independent regulator. Yeah, definitely. I think the MPs like um, like to be seen to be on the side of football fans as well. We're kind of we're kind of quite useful. Um, so I think it's something. Yeah, as Jonathan says, it's an open door, and let's get pushing it. Wicked, um, Tom. The Loft AGM uh, is coming up. Um, do you want to remind us where, when, what time, how people can attend? Is it? Only in person, or are you doing a Zoom? Can uh, I've got my diary in front of me. I've got, I've got ah. the, it's the seventh, isn't it, Jonathan? Is my I, 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 I will take that. It's the ninth, I believe. Right? No, 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 Thursday no, the ninth. No, no. <laughs> I'll get you right in yeah, I hope I haven't uh, caught you out with this question. It is indeed the eight, <laughs> and uh, as secretary, I'm the one that organises. So I'll tell you all about it. Uh, it is Wednesday, the eighth of December, at seven thirty p.m. We are holding it online via Zoom again, same as last year, so that as many of our sort of uh, non-local members can, can dial into it. Uh, we have the, the pleasure of Dean Cox, the legend of this Coxie, as our Lovely. special guest yeah. for a, a Q&A session on that. Um, members should already have had notification of that meeting and all the options for either uh, signing up to the meeting or um, casting their proxy vote for, any, for the motions at the AGM, the usual stuff that we have every year. Uh, anyone who has been a member and has let it lapse, and I know we had a lot of people join us in the crisis years and have, have let their membership lapse as times have been better, uh, you are more than welcome to rejoin, even if it's just for this meeting and to 
have a chance to put a question to Coxie because um, uh, anyone who's an Orient fan is more than welcome to join. You can join online at www.latenorientfanstrust.com. Uh, if you want to pay cash in person, then Matt Roper, the uh, shy and retiring pandemonium editor, will, will take uh, cash from people at any of uh, any games he's at for his pitch. Um, and the more, the merrier, frankly, and, and certainly generally, you know, the, the more people who join Loft, the more the more voice we have when it comes to these uh, engagement matters with with the club. And as ever. Um, we, we welcome everyone, even if people have said in the past, I don't like love. Well, you're an Orient fan, so, you know, we represent everyone's interests. In, you know, particularly, obviously, we, we represent our members first and foremost. But, you know, what we're about is the, uh, the well-being of uh, the club and its engagement with supporters. So, you know, everyone is our friend. Fantastic. Tom, Jonathan, thank you very much indeed. That's really informative and uh, I hope people uh, have got a lot Pleasure, of uh, food for thought. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. All the best and we'll see you at a game soon. Uh, cheers. Cheers. Take care. Take care. Good All good the time. best. Bye. Bye. So that was Tom and Jonathan from Loft. And again, a massive thank you to those guys and everyone at Loft for all they do it's great to follow that up um, on the back of Niall Cooper last week yeah. so remember to come here first for all your information on everything to do with Fair Game Loft and the Tracy Crouch report so moving on in to a supporters club update one new trip to tell you about this week it's Tranmere Rovers on Saturday the 18th of December this one will cost £38 for adults £35 for concessions £19 for under 16s this one leaves the supporters club at half past eight in the morning, an early start, and will cost you an additional £3 if you aren't a member of the supporters club. But please remember, these prices do not include your match day tickets. If you'd like to book this one, you can go into the supporters club at any pre or post match. There's lots of home games coming up now, so lots of opportunities for you to book. Or you can book this one by calling the travel line on 07507 Seven nine. Very nicely done, as always. So, let's move on then to the week that was. Happy Monday, the 22nd of November. The club announced the biannual Fans Forum event is going to be taking place in the Legends Lounge, as Jonathan alluded to in that chat there. That's happening on Thursday, the 9th of December, the day after the Loft event. Nigel Travis, Danny Macklin and Martin Ling in attendance for that one. Fans are invited to apply if they wish to attend uh, and obviously there is capacity there, so if you haven't already done so, uh, the application is on the club's website. It's going to be a busy week, that for you. So. Swindon on the Tuesday, Tuesday. Loft Day Gem on the Wednesday, Fans Forum on the Thursday. Yeah. You'll have to see to who a Tuesday then, 23rd of November. And the club confirmed that the third round of the FA Youth Cup against Chelsea will take place on Sunday, the 12th of December, with a midday kickoff. And the venue, sadly, for this one, is not Stamford Bridge as we hope. This one will be played at the Kings Meadow Stadium in Kingston upon Thames. Great showing that for the for the young O's in particular, I feel. But yeah, I think for everyone involved really. But I think Chelsea have got several games at home in a quite close period of time, so I completely understand mm. that. Uh, and there was obviously some consternation around the fact that we hadn't seen on the official list that somebody yeah. very cleverly dug out that they hadn't applied to play elsewhere. But anyway, moving on then, we can't change that, and someone tweeted rules don't apply to them. But anyway, moving on then, the main event of the day was Scunthorpe away. Vigaru lined up in goal with James, Mitchell, Beckles, Ogie, Archibald at the back with Clay, Kiprianu, 
Kemp, Drinnen and Smith. Substitutes for this one, Burnwood, Happy, Thompson, Prattley, Smith and Satorio. Yeah, so Kenny Jackett kept the same starting eleven and same bench as the previous game against Sutton. Scunthorpe made five changes to their side, which included an emergency goalkeeper loan signing. So Bearded Lujanda, your thoughts when you saw that team announced at 6.45? Very, very simply, no complaints at all. Um, I like an unchanged side. I think we did well. Um, and it's a team that should get a result, period. They're bottom of the league, Scunthorpe, and that, that side can go and get a result. How yeah. well I was. <laughs> I agree with you there. I thought we may see Prattley for Hector, just because Hector's young, Prattley, cold, Tuesday, horrible night, been there, worn the t-shirt, done it, but I can't fault him for keeping with the same starting yeah. eleven that recently trounced a, a decent side 4-0, so no complaints from me there, I had quite a few tweets in when the team was announced, Jason at Kilby 6, so let's hope we can start well this time, instead of having to recover from losing the first goal. Or it is, said, this is going to be tougher than the stats suggest, and I, I was inclined to agree with him, Scunny are coached by a wily and experienced manager in Keith Hill, and they have Ryan Loft up front, who appears to do well against Orient. That's a good point. Keith Hill recently appointed Joined, yeah. good manager. Len Chinchin won. So this team of players is almost our elite squad. They should be more than able to impress. However, a caution, being bottom of the table, Scunthorpe would be ready to make a fighting stand for a win, and Orient will have to ensure no doors are left open. Yeah, exactly. You know They're going to impress Keith Hill, and be in his plans you know, yeah. as they surge, try to surge uh, up the table and get off get off the foot of it so the match got underway in a chilly North Lincolnshire evening and it was an entertaining first 10 to 15 minutes so I thought not looking like they're bottom of the league so they're obviously you know his team talking there you know that new manager bounce has obviously started off the start yeah. that wasn't amazing don't get me wrong but it was better than I thought it was going to yeah so let's fast forward then not many talking points within that we'll go to the 20th minute and we took the lead as a superb team passing move eventually saw a ball from Alex Mitchell <laughs> finding Hector Capriano on the right channel his low cross found Aaron Drinnen totally unmarked in the box. He side-footed the ball into the net to make it 1-0 to the O's. That's a beautiful goal. I think we've seen quite a few of those this season. Nice passing, movement's correct, the decisions making's correct, patient, great goal. Spot on. No complaints from me. Well done, Aaron Drinnen. Tenth for the season. Tenth for the season. That is a superb piece of play from Hector Cipriano as well, the guy that you just thought might be swapped out. Darren Prattley certainly wouldn't be in that part of the pitch ever. Um, so Hector does bring something different. I think they're, I think they're different players. I yeah, think of course, what they yeah. bring to the table. So no, superb weight on that pass. Aaron, it was right into Aaron's path. He didn't have to do too much. He just side foot and guide it, guide it into the bottom uh, corner. Yeah, Drynan did uh, very, very well. They're twenty eight minutes on the clock then, and Drynan showed tremendous strength and speed down our left uh, to beat his man and drive into the box. But the ball was just a judge to have gone out of play for a goal kick before it was cut back to Harry Smith, who hit the bar. Yeah, let's go to the 41st minute there. Nice play from the O's. As a superb crossfield pass from Dan Kemp found Tom Jones on the right-hand side. He drove across the edge of the Scunthorpe penalty area, looking to shoot. Got dispossessed, though. Fought to win the ball back, but it ended up with O'Hara in the goal. That was the way the first half stayed as the O's went in. One up away to bottom. Scunthorpe. Yeah, not the greatest of halves after uh, the first sort of 10 to 15 minutes. Obviously, the goal aside, yeah, we had three shots, only one on target, scored it. Scunthorpe rarely threatened us, and Vigru, by and large, had nothing yeah. to do. Scunthorpe did look very poor. I think their heads dropped after, after we put that goal in, um, and they could barely string a pass together, which is great for us because it means that they were there for the taking, and we went up there for three points. Yeah, so no changes for the O's at half time. There was an early chance three minutes into the half. As Tom James dispossessed 
Scunthorpe player, Kipriani picked up the ball, sent a cross in, which went out for a corner that eventually came to nothing. Fast forward to the 52nd minute now, the first chance of the half for Scunthorpe saw a cross from our right to Perry on the edge of the box. He tried to place it in the top corner, the ball ended up going high and over the bar. Yeah, a minute later then Hector Kipriani fed Dan Kemp and he shot just wide. Yeah, great play, we were unlucky. Dan was very unlucky there to just miss the target. 56 minutes, should have been 2-0 as Route 1 football saw Lawrence Vigrou's long goal kick found Drinnen, who ran in on goal. Unfortunately, just fluffed his shot at the vital moment and O'Hara managed to gather the ball. In the form that Aaron Drynan's in at the moment, I would have expect, I expected him to fully score that, but he's just... Mm. I don't know what's happened there, but he's just fluffed it and it's just a really soft... Yeah, the keeper's come out, closed the angle down and Drynan's gone, oh, you're there, I didn't realise. So, yeah. And that was to prove costly. Your scuffle equalised... In the 64th minute, as we failed to deal with a corner, got came well, it bounced around the box, didn't it? Came to Scrimshaw, buried the ball in from a couple of yards out, no chance for Vigaru, and suddenly it's one or another goal away from home on a set piece. We didn't see many conceded earlier in the season. Yeah, last couple of weeks, it happens all too often, starting to become a bad habit. That was, and I'm sorry to point fingers, he's a young man who's looking to, to prove himself, but that was Shadrach's guy, he was standing oh, there okay. watching. But then I counted as I watched the uh, I watched the highlights back again before we started recording. There were five Orient players in that box, including Lawrence Vigarou, um, and uh, four of the three or four of their players. And one of their men has got to the ball quicker. So it's just that reaction time. Yeah. It's just the decision making is not quite there. Harry Smith was fed through by Drinnen in the Drinnen, sorry, in the 65th minute from a tight angle. His shot hit the foot of the post, far post, and went. Out wide. Oh, I thought Harry Smith was unlucky there. Agreed. I think there's going to be a lot of post-match views that we're obviously going to talk about where a lot of uh, people are going to say some poor finishing and we should have taken one of those chances. I actually think that chance, he was unlucky because he's done everything right. Tight angle. Yeah, some that we'll come on to, we should be burying. I think that one, he was actually unlucky there. But it was the first Orient sub as Dan Kemp was replaced by Paul Smith in the 68th minute. Yes, um, Harry Smith missed another uh, golden chance to put us back in the lead. Oh, I've sipped, sorry, man. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, Harry Smith uh, again missed another golden chance to put us back in the lead as a cross from Drynan from the right found him in space at the back post, but he couldn't steer the ball onto target. So I was quite. Not kind to Harry Smith last about a minute ago. I think that was kind in, in that was the right thing. Yeah, he should have buried that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that one he should have just easy goal, yeah. especially off the back of doing so well the week before. Really disappointing for that one. So Paul Smith was on the pitch as we alluded to shortly after, and he tried to capitalise on a poor headed clearance by Onorise as he ran through, but he fired high and over the goal. So there's a pattern emerging now, isn't there, of us getting some decent openings and some decent chances, but poor finishing. Is leading us astray a little That's bit. That's right, it's letting us down. Uh, 79 minutes on the clock, Perry nearly put Scunthorpe ahead after Shadrach Ogie was dis- dispossessed in and around, well, around our box, but his shot went just wide of a fully stretched Lawrence Vigarou's far post. Close you see one. that on the highlights. That was close. It was, it was uncomfortably close. Yeah, yeah, and again, making our own difficulties there. Shad getting himself into trouble where he didn't need to get himself into trouble. He dispossessed the guy and then didn't respond quickly enough to get rid of the ball, and the guy comes back and nicks it off him. Yeah. Come on, man. You know the guy, you didn't, you didn't floor the guy. Yeah. You didn't floor him, so he's still physically able to kind of come and close you down. You're not checking your shoulder to see if he's... And no one's obviously giving him a shout. 
that's poor as well. Yeah. He needs help. Shad needs a bit of support from his experienced colleagues. So, anyway. Silly Shad. 80th minute in, second O sub. Darren Prattley came on to replace Craig Clay. He picked up a knock earlier in the game and it eventually forced him off. Yeah, one minute later, Orin broke away, uh, which saw Harry Smith put Paul Smith through on goal with a superb pass. Unfortunately, Smith fired well wide of the Scunthorpe goal. Awful finish. I can't say anything else than that. At least that's the keeper. We know he's better than that from what we've seen and yeah. from what we know we've signed. Terrible finish. Maybe, yeah. maybe you can blame it on to a, match of lack, a, match, a lack of match fitness and match, match sharpness. Fitness. Yeah. But even so, if, that's probably the easiest chance, I think, of the evening when you look back on it. Well ahead of his defender. He's got a chance to shoot. He's got the keeper at the end we want him at. So he's got the far post to aim for and quite a big gap. Doesn't even hit the target. Very disappointing, I'd say. Yeah, all in agreement with you there. 87 minutes on the clock. Theo Archibald put a superb ball into the box, but Hector Kiprianu couldn't steer it into the goal. And I think that I think I think he's hit the post there, if I'm not mistaken. If it's the one I'm thinking, he's, he's hit the bar. And I'm thinking, like, how how many more guilt edge chances mm. can we potentially create and not score and actually expect to walk away with all three points? I, it was just not our day. No, you're not going to get many more than that. So five minutes of time were added on in the 90th minute. Alex Mitchell picked up a yellow card. Again, silly yellows at the end of the, end yeah. of the games. Keep doing it. Nothing further to report as the referee brought the game to a close. And it was another draw for the O's as the match finished 1-1. Yeah, obviously Kenny Jackett's post-match interview is on YouTube for everyone to watch. Uh, league table then, so that draw sees us drop down the table to 8th, having now played 18 games. We've won 6, drawn 10, lost 2. We've got a positive goal difference of 16, uh, and we are now on 28 yeah, so bearded legend, your views on the Scunthorpe match? Overall, poor game of football. I think Keith Hill will be the happier of the two yeah. managers for sure. I don't think there's any debate in that. We had more than enough chances to bury a poor Scunthorpe side. One of the worst I think I've actually ever seen. Really? Scunthorpe were terrible. If that's a team that are trying to respond with the new manager bounce that we talked about earlier, I think you need to clear out. Okay. And he's got Onorisi, who's not inexperienced. He's yeah. got Loft up top. There's a couple of couple of decent players in that squad, but by and that that uh, emergency loan keeper did quite well. Um, but the rest of that squad are, are, are poor. Uh, we're not clinical. Didn't seem to have our shooting boots on. Um, and this is a game where really we, you know, looking at the week ahead, Scunthorpe, Northampton, four points. Six would be lucky, four points is probable, three points, if nothing else, a win and a loss. Yeah. And we're coming home with, with just one point. Um, I thought some of the players were quieter than on Saturday. Tom James, like we've not mentioned anything about Tom James in the Scunthorpe game, but on Saturday, last, last week, we couldn't stop talking yeah. about Tom James. Um, possible fatigue? Don't know. Just, but just frustrating overall that we've not walked away with all three points there. Okay. For me, I, I was a bit unsure of this one in terms of whether it was good or bad, which might sound ridiculous, but I, as most listeners will follow every Orient game as it happens, but for this one I didn't, so I was busy, so I didn't follow this at all. So I stopped following from when we won a goal up. I saw it went one up and then I had my phone off and any form of communication was off until half ten. And then looked at my phone and saw this just blizzard of tweets and WhatsApp messages. And I actually thought we'd lost... So I messaged you saying what was the score because I didn't know what yeah. the score was. 
and you came back saying it was one all, and I thought, okay, well that doesn't look too bad based on what I'm seeing flashing up on my phone about how bad it's been. So, so I guess my views were kind of preconceived based on what I'd seen, and I expected a loss. So to find out we actually drew, I was like, <laughs> okay, well points not bad. But looking back on it, Scunthorpe for a team who normally normally we find it hard to. They beat us there last year. I remember that we wore the braces there last year. They got turned over two 0 We normally have difficulty with players like Ryan Loft, like a big hard person to mark. So one all we go. It's not bad. It will see you fine in the table, but if you have got aspirations of going up or getting out of the division the right way, yeah. you need to go to places like Scunthorpe. However, I will say, yeah. I've not seen. I've only seen the highlights, so I haven't seen the Drynan where he should have scored against the keeper, and I haven't seen the Kiprianu late one. So, I know a lot of people said the finishing was poor. I think the Harry Smith second chance at the far post he has to bury. Yeah, and like I said, I think Paul Smith has to do much better than what he did. I guess the positive for Kenny Jack will be, well, we battered him and made X amount of chances. chances. But the negative is, well, you didn't get the game. It's another one to add to that D column and that W column stays at six where after 19 or 18 games, that's very disappointing because that isn't going to get you up if you keep drawing all these games. So, it's a, again, the end of the season will tell. You might look back and go, that was a useful point or if we lose out of the playoffs by four points you might look back and scuffle and go well that was two points we easily dropped as was Rochdale and there's your four points that you've lost so very very difficult for that one so those were our views uh, we had a lot and a lot of your views it was very busy at Orient Outlook Podcast Towers when that full time whistle went so thanks to everyone who continues to send their views into us and our social media as you probably know by now I hope you know are sponsored by Town and Country Hurts and Essex Estate Agents who can be found on Twitter at Hertz Town and one of the guys who works at Charlie underscore Paul is on Twitter Big O's fan so give him a follow if you don't already lovely guy and like we say every week we try and read out as many tweets as we can for balance of the podcast and just because we read them does not mean we agree with them although we probably may we do agree with some of them but we don't <laughs> you know, for full disclosure so Orient Meat Pie gets the first word this week he said he can't fault the approach play but the finishing was way off at least we look a good side but we've got to finish teams off and we need to finish so much better than that if we want to have any chance of getting out of this league. It's two points dropped. Yeah, you see players like uh, Jamil <coughs> Matt at Forest Green Rovers who's mm. just gobbling up chances and scoring. Matt J at Exeter. There's a few players in this division who are just gobbling up goals and that's what we need annoying players Correct. to do. Although saying that, Drynan at 10 isn't bad. Harry yeah. Smith the week before against Southampton was great, but it's that consistency that you need to Correct. score every week. Southampton, Bob... So it looks like being a potentially frustrating season, too many draws and a second half where we conceded against them on a play, squandering at least three chances where it was easier to score, keeping the faith though. Yeah, it was easier to score than it was to miss. Agree. It really was. I mean, Harry Smith's two inches to the left and that doesn't hit the post and go out, it goes in. Fine margins there. Ian David, one, two, three, four, said positives, unbeaten. Negatives, we sat back and allowed Scunthorpe to play their own game, allowed them back into the game, did not pressure them enough, that was not good enough. Definitely two points dropped. Lewis Fear underscore said, if we want automatic promotion, we must win those games. If we don't go up this season, games like this and Rochdale and others, where we let Leeds slip will be key reasons. Disappointing. Yeah. Good good tweet. Look at Scunthorpe already, Rochdale way already, Val already. It's like six points just off the top of your head now. You're going, if we had those six points, we'd be like second. Yeah. Exactly. It's mad, isn't it? That's exactly the point. Tom Davies, E17, has just, hey. just joined us from Loft. Opposite of Saturday, where we had to absorb spells of pressure but took our chances expertly, we created loads, but the finishing was abysmal. Need to sort out our away form and approach, or the top three, at the very least, 
will remain out of reach. Daniel underscore D44 said, very, very frustrating. Thought we played well, but our finishing was terrible. Not sure what Jacket can do to sort that out. Too many draws. Most of them have been points dropped and not a point turned. Good point. Paolo1986 said, everyone wanted a win and it's very frustrating, but one, we didn't lose, and two, we're creating chances. Need to stick behind the players and the wins will come. Yeah, this is a new Twitter handle for me. This mm. is Raji S2. So welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast. It says, bottom of the league, should be winning comfortably. Yes, same old Orient, conceding and not winning. That's right. DeWard underscore seven said, one of the worst attacking displays I can remember. If we'd won that 6-1, Scunthorpe could have had no complaints. Unfortunately, our strikers couldn't hit a cow's backside with a banjo. That was woeful. Yeah, and that tweet was slightly edited from the original. Correct. Our Hayward four said, Harry Smith, I love the guy. He's been class. Mm. But is he not allowed to be subbed or something? <laughs> Ten draws already. Get the feeling we'll draw too many and miss out on the playoffs. That's a very good point because I think someone else mentions this on the Saturday post-match tweet that Harry Smith, again, yeah. was very quiet against Northampton but yeah. brought off Drynan. Drynan instead, yeah. And, and maybe Ruel could have played uh, you know, against Gunthorpe. His finishing is, is first class, we all know that. Yeah. Record Blue App said, rinse and repeat the Rochdale feelings. Better team throughout and then come out with a draw. Thought our finishing was poor second half as we had more than enough chances to win it. I thought Clay did well again. We need to win on Saturday, if not for my six-hour round trip. You better turn off the podcast now. Uh, Mr. Baker, <laughs> Orient Fan TV. It's an awful performance. Those fans who travel week in and week out deserve a lot better. If we want to get out of this league, we need to be beating teams like this. We may have gained a point and not been beaten, but it does feel like a loss. I don't know why. We can't replicate the home form away, though. Yeah, Spenno011 said, How many chances did we miss? Smith, two one-on-ones, and... That's Paul Smith, two one-on-ones, and Harry Smith missing two sitters to their one chance that they score. Awful result, and the away form is going to hold us, uh, hold us away from the promotion race if we don't start killing games off. I can't give Scunthorpe any credit. They are going down. Well, Dave M, 1812, just says, Frustrating. Why not playing that well? We were a much better team. We should have been out of sight. Click-up chances fell to players you would expect to score. We are now under pressure to get a sermon from Northampton, which would not be easy. That's a good point. Rich P242 said, First result that's genuinely annoyed me this, this season. More than Port Vale. Dominated the game, but we're making the same mistakes at the back. Time and again, especially away from home. Carl Fears ever wanted. I'm absolutely fuming with that. I thought Rochdale was frustrating, but at least they were decent. Scunny were terrible. We played great football for extended periods and we had God knows how many chances to put that game to bed and I've lost all hope now for automatic promotion. PM31970 said we didn't lose, which is the only positive. Sides that want to win promotion beat teams like Scunthorpe. We had enough chances to win two games, but our finishing was shocking. Why, when you need the win, do we not bring on Satoru? Yeah, good point there. Good point. Uh, Paul Skinner, 88, said... There's nothing more orient than drawing and losing against poor teams and beating the good teams in the league. Always been the same for us, as long as I can remember. But we have so many draws now, though. Yeah, that D column is getting higher and higher. It is, yeah. And as you said, a lot of them are two points dropped. You know, six more points from those three games and we'd be... Yeah, you look at those draws and you go, we weren't, we weren't the fortunate team to get the point there. We were the unfortunate team who dropped two points. And That's right. Da, da, da. They were all add up at the end of the season. We would be second. Northampton would be behind us on goal difference. Yeah. It's it's shocking. Uh, MS Orient, Shaf, hope you had a good, safe trip up there uh, and enjoyed uh, the overnight stay that you and the guys had. Two defeats in 18. You take the rough with the smooth. 
Uh, on a different night, we bury those chances and Scunthorpe were 100% there for the taking. Unfortunately, the ball didn't hit the back of the net more than once and we move on to Northampton. Yeah, and the final word on Scunthorpe goes to Ross McCaff one who said, I still think by and large, if we win at home, draw away, we'll be in the playoffs. But we need to do better from winning positions. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on then to the Carol Langley Florist uh, Prediction League update. Sponsors Carol Langley are an established local business in Chingford, East London, specialising in bespoke flowers for all occasions and events. From a simple thank you to a lavish wedding or an event, they can help you. Or even if you're looking for a Christmas tree, get in touch with John and the team at Carol Langley E4. That's Carol with an E on the end. Uh, or Essex, at Essex Biz, that's John's own account, uh, B-I-Z is the end of that. Uh, well done to Steve White, L-O-F-C, Leighton Ori, Ross McCaff, Charlie underscore Paul, Jay Ketley, Oliver Melman, who all correctly guessed the score and all got three points. No correct scorers though, and we'll do a full Prediction League update at the end of the show. Yeah, just to end Tuesday as the day, young O, Jaden Sweeney was in loan action for Broadstone. He only joined about a week ago. Yeah. He scored a double. So he went on to beat Dover away 3-2. So he scored the winner in that. Also picked up Man in a Match Award. Fair play. Well done, Jaden. Playing as a right-attacking wing-back. Although he's a left-back for Orient. So, well there done, Jaden. Yeah. I think Dover are bottom of that league as well. So it do his confidence good to, oh, to, to do that as well. Anyway, let's move on then. Wednesday the 24th of November. Nothing to report. Yeah, Thursday the 25th of November. Quite a lot to celebrate on this day. So started off by saying a happy Thanksgiving to all of our US friends who are celebrating that one. We hope you all had a fantastic day. Yeah, and happy birthday to Vice Chairman Kent Teague. Do you know what? It's been far too long since Kent Teague has been on the Orient Outlook podcast. I've not heard his voice in so long. Kent, we miss you. We love you. Please come back to us. (laughs) We'd love to have you back sometime soon. And to end the day, Omar Beckles was named in the Skybet League 2 team in the midweek following his performance against Scunthorpe on Tuesday. So well done to Omar. I will say, I watched Omar's uh, post-match interview. He seemed very frustrated as well, but very focused at the same time. Knew kind of, you know, all these draws were not the right results to be getting and seemed mm. kind of very confident um, and comfortable with putting that correct in the upcoming game for Northampton. But I thought Omar came across really well yeah, he speaks really well, to be fair. And you can see um, why he's captain with Dan Pratt. He isn't starting. You can see why the responsibilities are on him. Like, good leader. Yeah. And you can imagine him taking people like Mitchell, Ogie, like the younger players, Hector's under his wing. experience. Yeah, head, really yeah. And to Nick Samarka's point as well, uh, about him being a good leader as well, is it, it picked him out for leadership qualities. Yeah, so clearly he's, he's got that... Uh, about him which is great Kenny Friday then the 26th of November Tom James was announced as the PFA's player of the month so huge congratulations to Tom that's a big deal that, well, that is a big deal the latest Orient player has been recognised in that way the league's who Gareth Bale well done <laughs> Tom James let's move on into Saturday the 27th of November right in the morning the youth team were in action at home to Southland United lost a match 3-0 so off the back of some great results, those boys. It didn't quite happen for them uh, yesterday. So unlucky to the young girls. And hopefully next week we're talking about Bounce a win back. for the young men. Absolutely. So the main event of the sat- of Saturday was Northampton away. Before the game, as always, on a Thursday evening, we run a 24-hour Twitter poll to find out how you think we'll get on in the game away to Northampton. We had 220 votes in 24 hours. 23% thought we'd lose. 33% thought we'd win. And 44% thought we'd draw. It's a much more Close. balanced out 
uh, set of views there. So thanks to everybody who took the time to vote. Yeah, nice one. At two o'clock, then the team was announced for this game. Vigarou was announced in goal. With back was James, Mitchell, Beckles, Ogie and Archibald. In midfield, Prattley and Kipriano in camp with Drynan and former cobbler Harry Smith up front. On the bench this one, we have Byrne, Wood, Happy, Thompson, Papadopoulos, Omotoyi and Satori. Well done. The starting 11, <laughs> that starting 11 sees just one change from the side that started midweek. And it's an enforced one as Craig Clay was injured against Scunthorpe. So Darren Prattley came in and Paul Smith, shock, also missed out. And he wasn't even in the squad. Okay, my views go change makes sense. I think yeah. if, if when Kiprianu and Clay are starting, if one of those two can't make the starting lineup, Prattley will come in. No problem with that. I think we all looked at that and went, really? Paul yeah. Smith not on the squad again. Sure. That bench off the back of Prattley coming in and Smith going out, you look at that bench and no disrespect to Amatoy and Papadopoulos. But a bit less experience on that bench, a bit yeah. less confidence within that bench, but as good as what Kenny could put out based on the injuries that he had. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's as expected and I hope that Prattley doesn't change the dynamic of the team too much. Yeah. I think I was proven right, um, judging by the outcome and watching uh, him play. But um, yeah, Dan Orton 2590 tweeted us with his thoughts on this starting 11. He said, Smith injured is inevitable. No point in being here. Sick note that's made a paper. We'll do well to get a draw without Clay. Yeah, obviously there's a lot of tweets coming in about Paul Smith at two o'clock when that team was announced. LDP King mentioned Paul Smith as well, but also had another point to mention. So he said, it's time Paul Smith retires, if not going to be fit after every 15 minutes he plays. Shame, as he's got talent. It's just a proper sick note, but we do need a big performance. From Prattley. Yeah, Chris Co. 129 said some really nasty comments about Paul Smith. He doesn't ask or want to be injured. Missing a large part of pre-season makes niggly injuries an occasional hazard. To suggest he should retire or be sacked is unnecessary. He's an O's player and as such, we should support him. Fair comment. Yeah, nicely put there by Very Chris. Fair hamstring comment. again. Uh, Kenny said he's 50-50 for next Saturday, which yeah. probably means he probably don't play next Saturday. Based, it means he probably will based on the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So let's see. So the match got underway <laughs> and cold and windy Northamptonshire. In the fourth minute, Theo Archibald was fouled just outside the Northampton box. Upstate Tom James. He took a decent free kick that was yeah. heading for the top corner. That was. Robert's done well there. He actually, did. To, to tip the ball over. That was a decent free kick. Unlucky Tom James. Unfortunately, so. that was a really good free kick. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Fortunately, that was a really good free save. kick. Unfortunately, it was a really good save as well. Not much to talk about, really, until the 25th minute. Theo Archibald latched onto a loose ball, drove to the byline, but his low cross was dealt with. He did well there. I like Theo. He's so industrious and robust. Like, you're not getting him off the ball. He's fast. He's determined. He's dogged. He's strong. I don't know why he's being used as a left wing back, to be honest. I think there's going to be a lot of post-match views about yeah, that. That's so right. It's right. We'll talk about that very shortly. 37th minute in. Theo Archibald doing well again. Nice play. Fed Dan Kemp. Controlled the ball. Turned. Got his shot away. Just went wild of the goal. Again, that, I think that's probably a bit closer than what it looked like on the telly because there's only one angle that you can watch it from. Yeah. At North Hampton. Fractions of inches, that one. Unlucky. It'd be good to see Kemp get a goal. I don't think that would do Kemp's confidence any harm to see him hit the back of that. Yeah, end. absolutely agree with you. Yeah, no, that I think that was, I think you're right. I think that was closer than you think. Yeah. But again, that's coming from Archibald. He's driving towards the set, towards the 18 yard box, but the centre of the goal 
te- uh, he feeds it into Kemp, takes a touch, turn and shot. I mean, it's on the highlights, and you know everyone's probably seen it. But yeah. it, it was good technique from from Dan Kemp there. And the 40th minute, then a long throw from Northampton was put into the Orient's box by Pinnock Dyche, the son of Sean at Burnley. How oh, was it really? That's his son, Max okay. Dyche. Yeah, beat the Orient defence to the ball with a flick on, and Hoskins slid in, beat Archibald to the ball to put the home side ahead. One. Nil. It's a rubbish goal to concede. Literally. Repeat. Same repeat old. of Scunthorpe. Repeat of... If you're a scout, you'll be just going, get your corners in, yep. get your throws in, Put get, it in the mixer. get your flick on, because yep. they don't win their flick on. Get in front of that big lanky number nine they got, because he doesn't win his headers. Get in front of him, Harry Smith. Yeah. He won't win the ball. Yeah. Put your centre back in front of him, get him to get the flick on, Yeah. and then get in front of your men and run in. Goal, done. I feel That's so- what you'd be saying. I feel sorry I'm about to say this because we've just praised him how, how, how so highly. <laughs> yeah, exactly what you're going but to Theo say. Theo Archibald's man, he was responsible. On the flip side, yeah. he's not a defender. Correct. Shouldn't be tracking midfielders coming in. His advantage is his pace and his crossing. If he's playing as a left forward or a left winger, he's probably not picking up the guy running from the centre of midfield, probably. So that... But we're in, we're in a corner, we're in a dead set ball, dead ball situation. It's a set piece situation. Everyone's got their responsibilities. He should do much better. Yeah, I like what you're saying, yeah. but for me, it's, it's not good enough. None of it was good if enough. If that though. had gone wide, we wouldn't be talking about it. Absolutely. But, but on the flip side of that, Smith doesn't win his head either. The defence don't react when the ball's coming Correct. down. Like, there's lots and lots that was wrong with that goal. Correct. Again, Vigor, you can't really put any blame on Vigor with it. Yeah, the only blame got 20 Vigor people in front of him. So, really disappointing. Two minutes of additional time were added on, played out. So the first half came to a close <clears> with the O's trailing 1 0. Yeah. Um, Decent away attendance there again, 5,769 in total, and of that, 907 were away. Bear in mind, that was a really cold afternoon, and also this back of the Scunthorpe result wasn't great. I think had that been like a bit closer to summer, better weather, and off the back of better results, we might have taken more. So I think 907 is still a very good, That's strong amazing. away attendance. Yeah, it's really, really strong. We've had the majority of the ball in that half, not really done much with it, and we seem a bit flat and a bit lacking, I thought. As you can tell, we've literally barely mentioned anything. Um, Elvis Memphis tweeted us, he says, we've got to turn that around, take a draw, but got to win away. Yeah, second half got underway, no subs for the O's, and Aaron had a weak shot saved in the 46th minute after he did well to close Northampton down, who decided to play out from the back. Yeah, that was really decent of him there. Uh, 51 minutes on the clock then, Hector Kipriano went into the referee's book for a foul deep in our half. The free kick was poor, but the wind took the ball and it reached the far post and was headed into the side netting by the Northampton Town player. So that was a huge let off that. We believe that was the fifth booking for for young Hector. So Hector is banned for the next one. 56 minutes then, some good pressure for the O's. Fair Archibald's cross was deflected out for a corner, which James took. Didn't beat his man at the near post, which was headed out for a throw that came to nothing. Yeah, poor not to beat the first man. His corners were uh, were, were poor. They were decent when he first came to the club. Yeah. Coached it out of them. Yeah, yeah. possibly. Um, or he's just sort of taking Dan Kemp's pills, you know, because he couldn't beat the first man either. I don't understand. If you're on corner duty and, and you're not beating the first man, then take him off corner duty. Yeah. Uh, for that right hand side because we do the in swinging because Theo takes it from the left yeah. side to, to swing it in as well um, yeah I, I, don't, I don't understand that 60 minutes of the hour mark now Ruel Satoriu and Connor Wood were brought in to replace Aaron Drynan and Theo Archibald I thought all of our dangerous crosses were coming from, from Theo Archibald 
So I didn't quite understand why he'd taken him off. I'm happy for Connor Wood to come on, but I don't understand at the expense of Theo Archibald. And as for Drinan, uh, Drinan, sorry, <laughs> Smith hasn't been in this game at all. At all. He's won nothing, barely. So why not take him off and bring Ruel on and leave Drinan on to have some attacking potency? The wind was causing havoc. So why keep going long and let the wind dictate how we play when we could keep it on the floor, into feet, Drinan and Ruel were robust enough to deal with it. Uh, just puzzled me. But then he's not even changed the formation anyway. They're literally swapping out and swapping right, for like for, for, From a positional perspective, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sitting there like, I don't understand. And this is from a guy who's got so much experience. Yeah, very odd. Yeah, good points there. Good points. Russell to you was in the action just after the camera on. He blazed over in the 66th minute from about 25 yards. Yeah, and then three minutes later, we saw some great footwork and desire from Ruel, as we've aforementioned, uh, as he won a corner which found Alex Mitchell at the back post but couldn't keep his header oh, down. Big chance. Yeah. Big, big chance. Alex Mitchell should be hitting the target there, my son. Well, I won't tell him that to his face because he's bloody <laughs> massive. 71st minute. In. I wouldn't. Penalty shout for the home side this one after the ball appeared to Alex Mitchell's hand. The ref wasn't interested. I bet Alex Mitchell just looked at the ref and went, I want a handball. Yeah, exactly, and the ref went, you're Millwall, no problem. <laughs> 76 minutes on the clock, then Northampton countered. We found ourselves outnumbered, but Tom James, take a bow, made a great sliding tackle to nullify that threat. That was a super... That's not on the highlights, but that was worth mentioning. Okay, good shout. 88 minute in. Two minutes left in the O's, won their fifth corner in the second half, but another poor corner from Tom James didn't beat the first man again. 89 minutes then, Northampton counter-attacked us. This is on the highlights. Connor Wood uh, took one... For, oh, no, it's not on the highlights. I beg your pardon. Uh, so what the point I'm trying to make here by including these in in this is that we were counter-attacked twice. Yeah. We were left short. Tom James makes no, an amazing right. sliding tackle save and Connor Wood has to take a yellow card there. He does yeah. exactly what we've called for players to do. Take the card, stop, stop the attack. The attack. Yeah. We're 1-0 down anyway. Are we going to win it with four minutes left of, of the game, all in all, when you add on injury time? No, we, as it turned out, we weren't. But that was the right yeah. decision uh, to make, in my opinion. Uh, he brought Koiki down, got a yellow card, and I applaud you, Connorwood, for taking it. Because he's literally... <laughs> but he's just, looking at it from his point of view, he's just come on. He's had zero game time in the last few weeks. Yeah. He's had zero game time. He's taken a yellow card. That's brave. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Four minutes of additional time rated on. Tyree Samatoy been waiting to come on for a few minutes. He eventually got on the pitch in the second minute of added time as he replaced Dan Kemp. Now, I'm going to use the acronym that I've, I've written here. I'm not going to say it out loud because it is a family show, but WTF is the point in making this <laughs> sub now. There's like 90 seconds left to go and he brings the kid on for, for 90 seconds, maybe two minutes if he's lucky. Again, why? why, why? What, we're not trying to run the clock down. We're the ones that are losing here. I don't understand that. Bring him on on, on 70 minutes. Let him have a chance. Let him have a go. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm just baffled at these substitutions today. And it's just frustrating because Northampton weren't amazing. Yeah. And we're walking away without anything from this game. Bearded Lejande is not happy, he's shaking his head. So the third minute of added time, and saw Hector Kipriani fouled in our half. Vigaru pumped the ball into their box. The ball was eventually cleared. In the final moment of the game, of Hampton had a counter-attack. Sorkoki playing Selby. He put his first-time shot just wide of Vigaru's goal. If you've watched the highlights, you'll know what he was trying to do. He's just not good enough to do it. It didn't matter anyway, because once that ball went wide, the ref blew the full-time whistle. 
as Leo's unbeaten run of 11 matches came to an end, losing 1-0 to complete a very disappointing week that promised so much after the Sutton game for the O's. So, are we going to play Kenny Jacket or do you want to go through some match stats? Uh, yeah, I mean, the reason I put some match stats in, just to give an, an idea, you know, Northampton had uh, four shots uh, on target and four shots off target. Um, we conversely had five shots on target and six off target. So, there, 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 there was opportunity, just not great opportunities, and and we've had six corners, yeah. six or eight uh, out of this game, and and we're walking away with nothing. Deeply frustrating, and we're going to play the first minute and seventeen of Kenny Jack now. It is a bit windy because it is literally from the club's official. He looked like the coldest man in the world. You if you hear him. if you've watched it on YouTube, he's grimacing. <laughs> he's grimacing at the uh, blessing. <laughs> So here's the first rough minute and 17 from Kenny Jackett's interview, just because it highlights some really good points. Well, Kenny, thanks for joining us. Been a while. Oh, sorry. It's so windy, it's just blowing the air. Uh, well, Kenny, thanks for joining us. Been a while since you tasted defeat. What are your thoughts on that performance? Yeah, it was a tight game. I thought first half we played quite well. Um, we had a lot of chances. We had chances right the way through the game. Um, and... Uh, Disappointed with the goal, it was a flick on from a long throw, and, and the goal scorer Hoskins has got across Archibald there, and they're 1 0. But then, you know, where I'm really disappointed was second half. You know, we didn't get going, uh, we didn't get hold of the ball, um, we didn't use any sort of pace wide like we usually do. Uh, you know, our passing was poor at times, we played in front of them, um, we didn't draw them out, and, and although there were two big chances, Alex Mitchell's header, and then Aaron Drinnan, you know, early on when we won the ball back, there were the two big chances for us. Um, there, there was a, you know, there was a penalty at the end. It's, it's, it's handball. It just, it just is. You know, he's, 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 he's actually dragged it along with his hand. You know, that that's right in injury time, and that was a big call as well. But aside from those, from those moments. Um, there was a second half performance where they did a job on us. I was disappointed with a second half. I think we can play a lot better than that. And, and you know, blaming the referee and the conditions, you know, it's not what I want to do. We, we do need to, you know, move that ball better in the second half, create more, be more incisive, get around the back of them uh, much more. And, and to be fair to Northampton, we allowed them in the second period to do a job on us. So that was Kenny Jackett talking to David. That the entire interview is on the club's YouTube channel. I've never heard Kenny go into his players as hard as what he'd done there. I, that's why I wanted to play that, because yes, 1,400 or more people have already listened to it on, on YouTube. So, yeah, we don't want to keep rinsing and repeating yeah. everything that people have already heard. But I think I think that's absolutely right. He sounded annoyed. I'm very honest. He was very honest there. I admire that about him. He doesn't shirk it. Yeah. He doesn't try to cover it up. Uh, and like you said, he does sound annoyed with the players. Um, we have to do better. They, they, Northampton haven't done that much of a number on us. We just weren't good enough. Yeah, uh, but like he says, we didn't pull players out of position. We played the ball in front of them. You know, we just haven't. Uh, but we've heard that a couple of times, or more than a couple of times now. We, we just not see. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's almost on, on, yeah, on, on repeat. It, yeah. It's, it's a bit, bit sad to hear it keep being repeated. But that loss sees us stay in eighth. As we've now played 19 games, we've won six, drawn 10, and we've lost three now. Goal difference is 16, and uh, sorry, that should probably be 15, uh, and we are now on 28 points. Bit of the John Day, let's have it then. What are your views on the Northampton game for yesterday? Yeah, very frustrated while I was writing this. I wrote it literally as soon as the full time whistle went. We look really poor, not enough clear cut chances that created. 
loads of possession, didn't really do anything with it. Archibald's crossing for me was the only real attacking threat that we seemed to pose. He was putting them in the danger zone. Uh, otherwise, it was long, hopeful balls um, and in that wind as well. And that's what the Harry Smith, mm. the problem with Harry is he has got good feet. He, can, he does know where the back of the net is. But when he's on the pitch, you just want to get it up there, him to hold it up, and then yeah. the Drymans and the... Um, and the Kemp's kind of sort of busy around and, and, and feed off of that. Um, surely we don't have to do that, though. We have got players where we can play it through the middle um, We you know, and play it on the floor. Prattley showed, I thought he slowed us down a lot. Smith barely touched the ball but stayed on for 90 minutes and Archibald was taken off. Um, I won't repeat myself on that. Hector's, we believe, has picked up his fifth book in. So who takes his place? midweek against uh, MK Dons and then next week against Tranmere if Craig Clay is still injured. That might not be the worst thing in the world, him being out, because it might mean he has to come away from the 5-3-2. In terms of he might have to go 4-4-2 or try something different. It might force his hand, which might force him to put Archibald on a different position on the pitch. That's a really that good point. Woods. If, so if, that might not be... a that, it's obviously a negative to not have all your players available, but if someone forces his hand and it finds him a winning formula differently, yeah. then it's not the worst thing in the world. No, either that or a Papadopoulos or a Young will come in instead of uh, for, for Hector if Craig's uh, not fit. Uh, I would imagine in the um, Papa John's trophy. Um, that said, um, if you cast your mind back to the beginning of the season where we were trying different formations to, to, or Kenny was trying different formations to see what, or to keep opposition guessing, but actually I think deep down it was just to find out what his best yeah. system was. Maybe he'll be able to go back yeah. to that and, uh, and and pull back on that. Um, now the squad is looking really thin. Riley's still nowhere to be seen. Um, I don't uh, Riley's weeks away, Kenny said. Weeks away. It's not like Paul Smith where it's a little um, injury. Riley is quote weeks, weeks away. away so it's incredible God knows what's going on with Riley no idea absolutely incredible uh, and we're now four, four months into this season like all, all of August September, October and now November out of the six points this week we've only got one we've only got one it should have been three we can't use the wind as an excuse Northampton had the same conditions as us and Kenny's failure to change our shape during games is also frustrating and why is he wearing Adidas tops <laughs> for official club interviews and also on the touchline? I'm not interested in sponsorships. I don't buy that. I don't believe a manager okay, Jack is not in the lower Adidas. league has got a sponsorship, got a sponsorship deal sponsorship with Adidas. Adidas. No, with all that said and done, though, <laughs> to end on a positive, we are eighth in the league. We're well within sight of the playoffs and the autos. It's not, it's not even Christmas yet, so let's not get too down. It's just a little bit frustrating. That's well, it's quite frustrating. Not a little bit. It's quite frustrating. Bit groundhog day. I think we've mentioned. I'm not going to mention it again. But you know, we mentioned previous away points lost where we should have retaken more. But maybe he does need to try something away from home. If you want Dan Kemp and Theo Archibald and Aaron Drynan and Harry Smith all in your team, maybe you need to play a different formation of football yeah. to get the best out of all of them. Like we've seen Smith and Drynan do well. Kemp's done all right. Archibald, we know, is more effective up top. Maybe you need to rethink the way you're strategising your team away from home. At home, we seem to be fine. We seem to be good wins, good movement, good passing. Away, maybe we play quite well. I think we didn't play badly against Gunford, which couldn't score, which tells you that Kenny probably doesn't feel there's a problem. But based on yesterday now, there's a bit more pressure starting to build on Kenny, I think. seems like we mentioned last week that this is the period where some team's going to pull away at the top. And you need to be with those teams. So thankfully, after taking one point from six, we're still in eighth position. 
which isn't the end of the world. If if this was a half decent division, would be like twelve or something because the mm. top would be pulling away and the bottom would be falling down a bit more. No one apart from Forest Green Rovers is really pulling away. Northampton is second place, six points ahead of her, six points ahead of us, and six places ahead of us. Just goes to show you, had we won yesterday, we'd be right in it. So we're still well within it. Yeah. However, it's been a disappointing week. But Northampton, let's put it bluntly, you're probably one of the hardest teams to beat in this division and will be up there or thereabouts. So it's not yeah. like we've gone to Oldham away or Carlisle away teams who are really struggling down there and been turned over. We didn't lose to Scunthorpe. So I guess you can argue for it being half full still. Mm. However, he's got a bit more pressure on him now, which might make him make a few more different decisions. Adam Thompson... On the bench, a lot more experience than your Ogies and your Mitchell. Does Thompson come back in? Does Connor Wood come back in at left back? Because you're an Archibald so. defensively yeah. lost his man for the first goal. And if he does that, how do you get Archibald in that starting eleven? Because Archibald has to be in that starting eleven up front. Who do you take out? Then? These are all kind of questions now. Yeah. And Kenny and Joe should be looking at it going right. How do we fit this in? Paul Smith, how does he come into it when he's fit? How do we get the best out of these players? Now? Yeah. All it's an interesting now. point because Archibald he obviously wants Archibald on the pitch and the only place he can put him is that left wing back position because otherwise you're taking Kemp out who is on good form Drynan 10 goal leading scorer or you play four at the back and you push Archibald up you can't, you can't have five at the back and have Kemp Drynan Smith and Archibald it just doesn't work unless you're going to take one of the back five out and go right you want to use mm. changing it up so he's got he's got the players that he's kind of disposition to do it but I think there's going to be a few more questions asked now of Kenny so lots to say Paul Smith I mean I don't want to it seems like we cane the guy every week but mm. mate you're a professional footballer and you ain't and you ain't playing for us I guess the reason why he keeps coming up is we've all got such high hopes for him Kenny speaks so highly of him Northern Ireland International barely seen the guy again hamstring like again again like mm. come on now mate is but, that on us though? Is that on the on the medical team? Not not to be too rude to the medical, but is that on? No idea. The, the 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 medical team trying to not rush him back, but the the team saying actually no, we need him, we want him, we're 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 thin. Possibly. And then him being rushed back too early, and him wanting to play, and him going, yeah, I can play. Possibly, but yeah, a few a few questions now to be asked of Kenny. Like, you know, I think someone may raise the point that Ross Embleton team last season weren't that far away from Kenny Jackets one point difference but Billy Herring put it out on Twitter one point difference one point in favour of uh, us now right okay there's a point difference with the same games played the we know we know arguably we're not really much better off the co- we've just got a much better goal difference the conception or the choice if you said to me you've got Ross Embleton waiting here or Kenny Jacket taking it it's a no brainer it's, it's Kenny Jacket all day long it's not even yeah. it's not even a question in my head of who of who I would go for but have we undelivered this season yeah probably but like you said it's only November we've only lost three games still and we're eighth without really doing anything too yeah. too great so it's a long old season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We'll see where we are. Hopefully, this time in two weeks, when we get back to league action, we'll be talking about another six points through the door. So, yeah, interesting yeah. time to head to Leighton Orient. Very much so. And obviously, we had an absolute yes, meltdown. Did. An absolute meltdown uh, following our uh, post-match tweet. So, thanks to everybody who took the time to tweet us their views after that match. And again, just because we read them, it doesn't mean that we actually agree with them. Shrimpy underscore boy gets us off this, gets us started uh, on this week's, uh, on uh, on this match, sorry. Uh, incredibly poor. Felt like we were beating a dead horse with long balls that clearly weren't working. 
all game. Extremely wasteful with set pieces as well. Might as well have just given the ball back to Northampton goalie on every corner. Yeah, good point. Like you said about Tom Jones. Big mm-hmm. ads, LOFC, our podcast sponsor, says the coaching staff are not immune to criticism no matter who they are and what their CV has on it. I wouldn't say that was appalling. Hartsey, 1881, said Archibald isn't brophy. There aren't Sorry, there aren't 50-50 arguments on this one. He's an attacker, so let him attack. Drynan off, our most potent attacker goes off and Smith stays on or sees the third... Or see, or see the third point. Why the hell are we chasing the bloody game with three centre points? Well, that's a good point. He went like, like you say, he takes off Drynan for Saturiu and makes a light for life with his left backs. You're one nil down. You don't need five at the back. Just take one of your centre backs off and push Saturiu up there. Go for it. Come yeah. on. Yeah, take, yeah. take Shad off. Let Shad rest because you've got Connor on. Yeah, good point. Leave Archibald on. Push him up. Push him up. Yeah, the occasional one. So time for a shake up. Three or four changes required. Thompson to come in in the defence, Archibald to play in proper position, and Smith, if he's fit, is just Paul Smith to start. That's a good point, that's what we've spoken about. It's all well and good having a consistent team. I know you've said it time and time again on the podcast, you like consistency. Hmm. But if that team aren't winning games, then you've got to shake it up, right? Correct. Like that team, Correct. It's, 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 become, it's become a very yeah. stagnant team in the last four or five weeks, and when you win, I guess you go, well, you keep a winning team, but it doesn't mean that you can't change it when you draw Correct. or you don't win. But yeah. it's the, it's that same eleven at the moment yeah. that is the very favourite yeah. team. Shake it up a little bit. Yeah, there's no problem with that. Charlie underscore Paul, our social media sponsor, said an absolutely pathetic performance. Worse than Harrogate. Kipriano, Prattley, Ogie, Kemp, Drin and Smith, James and Archibald were all awful today. Need to call out Vigaru too. Conceded every shot on target in the last three away games we were outworked today and that is unforgivable good point about shots on target very good spot there uh, Charlie Ryan Peanuts worst game and performance of the season conditions were horrendous but they wanted it more than us sadly Kenny got it wrong taken off Drynan and Archibald that killed the second half we have got to lose this five at the back nonsense SB Dealing said this is the best squad of players we have had since 2014 and we continually underperform and find ourselves on less than average and sorry less than an average of 1.5 points per game after 19 games the squad should be battling to win the lead League not sneaking seventh. That is a very, Easiest. very good tweet. Easy for me to say. That is a very good tweet. LOFC yeah, underscore Ed said it was abysmal from start to finish. We created nothing, challenged for nothing, deserve nothing. Tom James must be taken off corners. He never beats the first man. Paul underscore LT2P said we couldn't finish again. The pre match showed Northampton taking long throw after long throw. Perhaps the players have watched it. The midfield is not good enough. No drive. This group will not get us up. Oh, Paul, very unhappy there. Billy Herring, 0 3, said rubbish. Jacket is tactically inept. No options in midfield or out wide. Terrible subs. Squad is Fred Bear with just a couple of injuries. Mid table at best with this squad and this manager. Is this better than giving the job to McEnough? I'd love to know how. Wow. Tip Tool said Smith appears to lose concentration when attempting to protect a set piece at the near post. He's been caught out three times in the last four or five games. Yeah, good Lots point. of astute points in this in this week's yeah. uh, notes. I we love see. it. Nigel will add White. So if we could play some boxing day, still not create a clear-cut chance, let alone score. Jacket has already reached Portsmouth settings. Playing a formation that's not getting the best out of the squad. We need to switch to 4-4-2 if we're to have any chance of making the playoffs. 
LOFC1881 said players were off it today and that's why we didn't get anything from the game. But we still were the more creative side. Deserved to be a nil-nil. I agree with that. But they took their chance. Some Cobblers fans talking after expected us to be better. I said the same of them. The weather didn't help. I think that's right. Two teams where you expected it to be a hard game but yeah. not that kind of hard. Yeah, different games what people mm. expected. Mark Ross, 07487, 103 said... First time I've criticised this team, but when we needed to stand up in awful conditions, we were really poor. Prattley seemed totally disinterested, not captain material. We probably did deserve a point, but not good enough. Trousers Techno said, a very poor performance, lacking creativity and penetration with insufficient strikes of note on goal. Northampton were no better, but scored from one of their few attempts. The last three goals conceded away are all from simple balls we should be coping with. Three goals against... Equals five points. Yeah, less. good point. Alb five three nine nine says, "I don't get how we can be so brilliant at home, yet so so poor away. Makes no sense to be this much worse away. Obviously, away games are harder for a reason compared to at home, but to be this bad away compared to home, any reasons? Because I can't think of them. Yeah, safe hand zero zero said, "Difficult with the wind, but poor in the second half. We need to play to our strengths. Keep the ball on the floor, avoiding hoofing it up to Smith." We need to get Kemp and Archibald on the ball as much as possible. Our current formation doesn't work. Six wins in 19 tells us that. It's an interesting way to look at that stat. Well, that's what we said, wasn't it? When you start losing games, then the focus becomes on how little you've won. won. Yeah. Molly Folly, 2019. So just listen to their manager's post-match interview. He described their performance as incredible to withstand what we threw at them in difficult conditions. Of course, the second half wasn't good enough. But it's about fine margins and we are just off of it. Oh, I think their manager's being change. generous and kind there. Wilco300 tweeted us saying, let's put things into perspective. We've lost to a team who are now second, have the best home record in the league. Very astute point. We huffed and puffed, but we're good enough uh, But we're good enough to break them down. Yeah, alright boy. So obviously, something we should be the invincibles and never lose. We all have a bad day at the office or two. We're always going to have a blip. Kenny is the best we can get at this level. Except occasionally it will go a why a right a why a season ends in May, not November. Yeah, good, good tweet, point. really good perspective there. Philip Wichello said a real lack of quality on the show today from the O's with poor passing, a lackluster midfield, too many long balls going nowhere. Despite having almost sixty percent of the possession, six corners and three shots on target, Orient couldn't manage a single goal. The Cobblers scored from their only shot on target. Oh, hey, babe, what does that tell you? <laughs> so let us know if you agree or disagree with any of those tweets that have been read out. You can tell us what you think by tweeting us at Orient Outlook or you can email us at orientoutlook at outlook.com. You can find us on Facebook at Orient Outlook Podcast or on Instagram under Orient underscore Outlook underscore Podcast. Those were all tweets that came into us at Orient Outlook Podcast Towers. So thanks to everyone who continues to send us their tweets any time of the week absolutely so the Carol Langley Flores Prediction League update at Essex Biz ha! he's got his own Prediction League right well done John Kid Samson O and Orient it is all correctly predicted the correct result not the correct scorer uh, because there was no scorer uh, so there were only three points available on this one so that means the top of the Prediction League yeah. is as follows 18 points leading the way is Nino Barone 16 points Leighton Wright has moved up to joint second with Parksy 1881 and in third place on 12 points slightly off the pace now is LFC Teresa so it's always Teresa. thanks for all of your predictions yeah so let's move on then to Sunday 
the 28th of November. And we'd just like to uh, wish a huge congratulations, should have done this at the top of the show, to former Leighton Orient media manager Colin Mumford, who popped the question to his now fiance at uh, Winter Wonderland today, and they got engaged. She said yes. So congratulations, oh, well mate. Done. Very, very chuffed for you. Uh, great news. Well done, Mr. Mumford. Also celebrating, because it's the first night of Hanukkah. So it happy is. Hanukkah, everyone. Mr. Levy offered me a donut before we started recording. It was very nice. And it was swiftly accepted. Well, half of it was. Half of it was. And a massive McDonald's to bring in Hanukkah. <laughs> yeah, good one. Good Jewish boy. <laughs> the ladies were in action earlier on in the day. They played in the Sue Sharples Cup. It was a way to Wandsworth Town ladies. And we're delighted to say they won the match by a very, very, very convincing 7-3 scoreline. <laughs> well, so, well done, ladies. Absolutely tearing it up in that league. By like the eighth minute, it was like 3-1. Like, ridiculous, but well done to the Could ladies. I just put a shout out to the person in charge of the ladies' media? Uh, could you please put the names <laughs> of the scorers with the pictures? Because we're not familiar with who the team are yet. We're still working on that. So, if the person who does the media for the ladies team is listening we'd be very grateful if you could please put the names of the scorers with their pictures that would be great so at one hour 28 minutes 17 seconds this has been a humongous podcast so let's bring it to a close fantasy football update in Jack Merritt Top of the Orient Outlook Podcast Fantasy Football League. He's got 911 points. He's ahead of James Durkan in second place. He's got 902 points. I'm in 216th place. I keep bouncing around the lower mm. 200s, but, you know, like Kenny said, marathon, not sprint. How close is the third? Do you know off the top of your head, like third place? Is it? Is it like miles away? Okay. Yeah. So then let's move on then to the positives and negatives of the week this week. Okay, so positives. We've only got two based on uh, only taking one point from six. So the positive this week, Aaron Drynan, going to double figures this season. Not yeah. bad at all for a player in November. And the second positive is both the Scunthorpe game and the Northampton game. Treks, cold, horrible weather, but the away support, fantastic numbers absolutely. as always. So well done to anyone who made either of the journeys there. Yeah, absolutely. Negatives that uh, fall to me this week. Dropped out of the playoff places this week with one point from yeah. six. That's poor. Our performance against Northampton, not finishing against Scunthorpe. Yeah. Those two crucial elements. There's a lot of, I think, the, I think the tweets after Northampton have been the first time you've seen people not turn on Kenny, but proper criticise him in terms of substitutions, lineups, <clears throat> tactics. Yeah. So, but to Adam's tweet, the management should never be oh, beyond criticism yeah. or critique. Some people seem to think that he's got this prote- shield of protection because of past history. But actually, yeah. if you see something, we should we Love should it. call it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the final negative this week: Hector's fifth yellow of the season. So we believe he's suspended for next week's FA Cup visit of Tranmere. Craig and Hector out. The question is. Uh, who's going to be in and it just shows now that there is a, a thin uh, depth to our squad we, you know, we just don't have that but then it does give Anthony Papadopoulos Matt Young and others in the from the younger to, to, yeah, to from the youth uh, from the sort of the younger pros to, to come in and potentially play really well and actually keep that spot and yeah. keep Hector out well it's going to force a change so it might not necessarily necessarily be bad yeah. I guess we'll see depending on results yeah. that come in so moving on into the Carol Langley Flores Hero of the week. We normally like to do a Twitter poll based on um, the matches, but with a loss and a draw, we didn't really think there were any nominees really to credibly put forward. So we have many heroes though. So this week's heroes of the week are the away fans who went to Scunthorpe and Northampton. So well done to everyone who made those journeys. 
Fantastic. A great everybody. Scunthorpe isn't the easiest of places to get to specifically on a Tuesday yeah. night either. So that leaves us then next week's fixtures. We pause League Two action in the upcoming week as we've got two cup games. Firstly, we've got MK Dons at home in the second round of the EFL Papa John's Trophy. They're currently in sixth place in League One after smashing Morecambe away 4-0 over this weekend. So don't forget, this one kicks off at the slightly earlier time yes. of 7 o'clock. Then it's Tranmere Rovers at home next Saturday, the 4th of December. That is the second round proper of the FA Cup. Tranmere didn't play this weekend. Their game against Stevenage uh, was postponed. Stevenage, interestingly, yeah. just appointed Mr. Tisdale. Um, so I'm sure he'll bring his rail, clothes rail of jackets and hats with him. They're currently 10th. Uh, Tranmere are currently 10th in League Two. Uh, and of their last five games, they've won one, drawn one. But crucially, they've lost their last three back-to-back. Interesting game that's going to be. They don't concede many, but at the same point, they don't actually score, score many. many. So interesting yeah. game that coming up. So before we end this podcast, don't forget... For the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, or on Insta. Don't forget to recommend them to all your families and your friends. So, Mr. Levy, that is it. Thanks for joining us for episode 266. Yeah, after a week that had promised so much, it's been a frustrating time as failure to convert chance against Gunthorpe saw us only come away with a point which was followed up by a loss at Northampton Town, which only made it one point from six as the O's winless run uh, away from home continued. It's a week off now from league action, but we've got two hard-looking cup games against MK Dons and Tranmere Rovers as we look to progress in both competitions to get the Orient Express back on track. And hopefully this time next week we'll be talking about two wins and looking forward more positively. Yeah, absolutely. So if you listen on iTunes, please subscribe, give the podcast a five-star rating. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn or Stitcher or anywhere else, add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as they are uploaded. We are also on all smart speakers. We are also on FanHub. We are all over the place. So if you need to listen to us, please make sure you do as listening to the podcast has never, ever been easier. And if you have an older relative, a loved one, an Orient charm, anyone who you think will like the podcast, grab their phone and download it for them and don't forget to pass the pod. So we'll be back with episode 267 next week as Hanukkah ends, but we'll still yeah. be here. We'll have all the information of views that you could ever need. So we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Keep the faith. Up the O's. <laughs> <laughs>